thrusters won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the Grange Point 4. This is Control, be radial. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, citizens Civ. You're tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 81 and is recorded on July 24th and made available for download July 28th at GuardFrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Tony. And I'm Lennon. What do we have this week, Lennon? Well, in this week's Skook Box, Earth checks out Tony's older, hotter cousin. Hey! Sorry, sorry. Tony checks out Earth's older, hotter cousin. Sorry, sorry. Okay, in CRG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, 10 for the Chairman, Episode 60, Early Impressions of the Arena Commander 1.1.5 patch, and this week's Star Marine update. In Nuggets for Nuggets, Max Stacks and the Stacks Brothers have got a deal for us on some Hurston Dynamics gear. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Citizen Civs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button for the low, low price of a dollar twenty-five per episode. You can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole four, three, two days before the Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labor of love with you each week free of charge. But it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. Thanks to everybody who's already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get, the better show we can make, and the more patches we can buy, and the more video gear we can give to Shiv for streaming. Yes, and as Tony said, this is a labor of love, and we couldn't make this show without the many, many volunteers behind the scenes. And right now, we're seeking an assistant for our audio editor, Mikey. So, if you think you've got what it takes and you can tell your EQs from your VOs, then we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. That's S-Q-U-A-W-K at guardfrequency.com. Well, that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Do you boys need a carrier out here? Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. Crypto, Crypto, this is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Regular listeners of Guard Frequency will recall a previous Squawk Box where we talked about the Kepler mission. This was NASA's orbiting telescope designed to search for exoplanets via the transit method, where you point a gizmo at a star and wait for a planet to ever so slightly eclipse it. You may recall that busted gear on the instrument has mostly prevented Kepler from taking too many new observations, but the scientists had a substantial backlog of prior observations to analyze until Kepler's successor could be launched. Well, that backlog has just yielded some interesting results. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Kepler 452b. She's a bit, um, you know, larger, checking in at about 1.6 Earth radii. And her central star is about a billion years older, which means it runs a little bit hotter. You know, the orbit's a little slower, a little slower, about 385 days. She might uh, make you feel a bit uh, weighed down with an estimated surface gravity of about twice ours. Uh, but let me tell you guys, she runs around with this G2-type star that pretty much makes up for all those problems by keeping her square in the habitable Goldilocks zone, where liquid water could exist. Yeah, you're older, she's hotter, she's slower and heavier. Yeah, basically, Kepler-452b is the planetary equivalent of a cougar. Because Kepler's instrumentation is not able to estimate mass, and therefore density, it's not certain that the planet is a rocky one. In fact, another recently released paper claims that, statistically, planets that big are slightly less likely to be rocky, according to our observations so far. 
but that doesn't mean we can't let our imaginations run away with us just a little bit. A planet not much bigger than ours, orbiting a sun just a little bit hotter than ours, with a year only a little bit longer than ours, and only 1,400 light years away. Damn it. Well, guys, we're going to have to keep dreaming and keep looking for a cougar planet a little closer to home. 1,400 light years away, that's... It's a little far, yeah. but I think we can work with it because let's reverse the situation. Let's just say that there is intelligent life on this planet. There are other sort of humanoid-esque species out there. For all we know, they could be looking at Earth going, well, it's a little bit smaller, the year's a little bit shorter, a little <laughs> bit colder, but there might be life on it. And with it being 1,400 light years away, they'd look through their telescopes. The light would take 1,400 years to go, hit the planet, bounce back. So that's 2,800 years later. What would they see? Well, they'd see Jeff. They see Jeff 2,800 years ago doing whatever he was doing that Saturday afternoon. But it would confirm that, well, I was going to say intelligent life, and then I realized Jeff. But, you know, it would confirm there's Jeff. Welcome to episode 4,528 of Guard Frequency. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're way ahead of you, Lennon, because apparently they've already pointed some radio telescopes at the planet. As of 1,400 years ago, there weren't any radio signals coming from there. But, you know, 1,400 years ago, <laughs> There here, wasn't any here, yeah. Yeah, you know, the Roman Empire just fallen, so, you know, banging together some rocks to make fire was about the best we could do. <laughs> uh, you know, so we'll hold off judgment for at least another, you know, 1,400 years. Give them time to catch up over there, if they're there. They might not be, but they might be. It's a shame that the Romans didn't invent radio. Out of all the stuff the Romans did for us, they should have invented radio. Because then they would have had Roman DJs. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine that? Scratching the stone tablets. It'll be great. Imagine the toga parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Coming up, our interview with Centurion Hadrian and his fight against the Picts in the north. Hey, now, don't knock it. It was a fun time, I'll tell you. You know, we had a (laughs) (laughs) Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at cardfrequency.com. Now let's check out some CIG news. 175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for July 24th, 2015, 85,300,000 of about 200,000 from last week. Star Citizens now number in the 929,000s, and the UEE fleet stands strong at 737. Both of those numbers up about 4,000 from last week. Well, we had an interesting 10 for the chairman episode. Number 60. Well, they say it doesn't rain, it pours. And since Chris has returned to Santa Monica, information has been coming thick and fast. Chris has not only given us a letter from the chairman, but also sat down with Ben Lesnick to record a very special episode of 10 for the chairman. Clocking in at 1.5 hours in his letter and the video, Chris covers everything that you could possibly imagine, including Squadron 42 status, Star Marine status, the leak, controller balance, staff departures, concept ship sales, and how Star Citizen has changed, including responding to the question, is Star Citizen impossible to finish? And finally, what's next for Star Citizen? Naturally, we can't cover everything here, so set some time aside, grab a coffee, go watch episode 60. You will not disappoint it. And I gotta say, I thought, I I thought it was a great episode and very important, but I think it was good timing as well. I mean, with the forms erupting and blowing and the whole, the name who shall not be mentioned person just going off, I think that this was excellent timing on their part. Yeah, it was a real full court press. 
they basically did not run from it and just took it head on. I agree. I thought the timing was right. The tone that he took was correct. The advised and pointed use of a, of a well-known profanity uh, that <laughs> Chris Roberts has become associated with ever since the fateful Arena Commander crash of 13. So, yeah, I think uh, it, was, it was well played, well done, covered a lot of territory. Some stuff in there was kind of expected, you know. I mean, it's, it's Chris Roberts, right? I mean, it's his baby. He's going to come out here and he's going to come out swinging. Some of it was a little maybe unexpected. Not unexpected for the reasons that, you know, well, not a problem or doesn't need to be addressed. But it's been a while since we heard about the leak. But yes. he made an interesting point that we've addressed once or twice here. When you let stuff out early before it's ready to go, it kind of hurts people's feelings, you know, it's like it's that's not a thing that I wanted out there yet. This is not my best work. There's a lot of people taking a lot of pride in this project and they want it to be the absolute best it can be. And then when, when stuff gets out there and it's not the best, they know there's problems with it. It kind of hurts. So we talked a little bit last week about how if people get down on the devs or question their ability to finish it or present a quality product, they just won't make a quality product because they'll be disheartened. So I think that was kind of a, a good point for the chairman to make and to remind everybody, hey, if it happens again, be considerate, think twice. And like you were saying, with it being good timing, yeah, it was great because with everything that has been happening with a certain person who shall not be named, even though everybody out there has a lot of confidence in this project, sometimes, you know, personally, even though I have confidence in this project, I feel that with all the negativity that's surrounding it, you can't help but let it get to you. And what I thought was really good about this is that Chris came out, basically just tackled these issues one at a time, really calm, really composed, really well, resold us his vision for what the game should be. And in, in an hour and a half, he's managed to just completely, in my mind, defeat weeks of uh, forum backlash, of articles that are cropped up in the media, of a certain blog that's just full of vitriolic equine ass gravy. All of that is just sort of, it's almost now like a distant memory, you know? It's just, I'm, I'm once again worshipping at the Church of Chris Roberts. It is all going to be fantastic. I now, now. honestly cannot wait for this. Well, if you're going to use like that sort of language, now I have to come in and pee all over it, because that's my job. I'm the lawyer guy, right? <laughs> you get, you I got to make it all water. gloom and doom. Way to go, Lennon. You've summoned me. <laughs> I... You know, I frequently say we, we're. I see myself, and I see kind of our show sort of like there's no board of directors, there's nobody over here asking like you know what's going on over there kind of stuff. This felt to me like he went to the board to say, "Hey, I understand a lot of negative press out there. Let me give you the stuff from management's perspective." And it really kind of felt like that. A couple of things were kind of like eh. one of them was he said, "Look, the technical side of things." I don't see anything stopping us from realizing the vision. There are no insurmountable technical hurdles going from our planned feature set to a release with that feature set. That's what you're going to say if you're managing a project like this. Yeah, of course. Still not a lot of specifics about what those hurdles are going to be, and maybe he doesn't want to release what those specifics are. That's fine. He's management. He gets to make that decision. But I think that I'm still going to push for more. This is just what I saw. The other thing that I saw there was about the Mayberry departure. I would have liked to have seen someone going, probably shouldn't have done it that way. Probably will do a different way next time. 
I understand that it's a touchy situation. It's a personnel thing. Everyone has always said it's for personal reasons. So there could be lots of stuff that we just don't need to know about. That is entirely possible. I would have liked to have seen, though, rather than a specific discussion about Mayberry, more like a, in the future, if we have something like this, we should probably do X next time. Because he does admit that, you know, there's a lot more of the second and third and fourth tier people, regular employees that interact with the community on a regular basis. And when they're gone, they leave a hole. And whether, you know, there may only be a few people on the forums that like to talk to him every day. I would like to have seen the chairman say something like, next time we have a departure of someone who has a relatively high profile in the community, we will address it X, Y, Z. That would have been good. But other than those two relatively minor, they're not even complaints, they're just, you know, observations, criticisms of, of what I would have liked. Other than that, it was perfect as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it yeah. really hit everything head on and, like Lena was saying, sort of resold the whole project to us and reminded us why we're here. Yeah. I also did like that they touched on Travis Day's departure uh, as well, saying that basically, <laughs> you know, he's he was a massive fan of World of Warcraft. And wee, so, little, little, wee little Travis Day. He, oh, from <laughs> yeah. the, oh, so long ago. But, you know, it's it's. I, I can totally see why if somebody offers you what is effectively your dream job, no matter what job you've got at the moment, you're likely yeah. to take every step towards it to try and uh, like actually achieve that. So, you know, well done to him for actually getting in that position as well. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Just going back to what you were saying about how you were unholying the holy water, I do have another thing that I wanted to unholy sure. the holy water with, and it might sound a little bit familiar. You know how I was saying last week that it's like wading through horse diarrhea to find a couple of flecks of gold? Right. I've been thinking a little bit more about that gold, and it does seem a little bit enticing, so I decided to just go after it just a touch. Oh, I and hope you put on some gloves. Yeah, well, I, I kind of wore a whole hazmat suit. I think oh, the smell's okay, gone okay, now. Yeah. We should be, Good. should be, yeah, we should be fine, right? So, <laughs> one point that came up was that you've got various different levels of backer. You've got the people who backed on Kickstarter. You've got the people who backed early on the website. You've got people who backed. Late. You've got people who are just coming into the project now, and obviously, each one of them backed when the game's vision was at a particular stage you know right. chris himself says that they're building the game to the stretch goals that was embraced and endorsed by community this isn't feature creep you know we've actively yeah. said we want this we've given you money for it this is my vote towards that feature therefore we can get it which kind of made me wonder now i'm not saying in the same vein as the other guy that you know, you should contact your lawyer and get a refund and all this sort of thing. But it does sort of beg the question, when you pledged, you pledged in the early days of Star Citizen, you said like, oh, yeah, I'm looking for the game that is the preview video that was shown on the Kickstarter. If you then didn't put in a single penny more, but all of these stretch goals have been raised by the community, how do you, how do you log a no vote? Is there any way you can say, actually, you know what, I didn't huh. want this game that we're now building. I wanted that. And that's what I gave the money for. And I think this is just one of those things that I'm sure, again, the, the vast majority of people who are hanging around who haven't embraced uh, the other guy's call for refund are actually completely happy with the game. And I know I certainly am happy with the way that it's going, the vision that's been taken, and the amount of extra features that are being put in. But I think that there might actually be a case for those who didn't want the stretch goals, which would be seen as feature creep. Well, we happen to have one of those people right here. Well, kind of. We have somebody who backed then, but I think he's also fine with what's happening. My point was, if you backed in the early days 
and then you don't actually like what's happening, you didn't want this project to run away to this sort of level. Yeah. Then well, let's a- let's ask him. Hey, guy who hates first-person shooters or you know doesn't really like them very much. Hey, Jeff. Hey, golden ticket holder. Yes. We've we talked about this a little bit. I think a week ago or maybe two weeks ago. The feature that you actually backed for, you know, is is kind of being held back or held down or delayed a little bit because of the technology and the logistical problems we're having with a module that. Well, let me tell you a story about uh, a company called Perpetual. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. Do tell. You know, we had this grand idea for a Star Trek Online game that we don't have today. And I was part of that early first community because I love Star Trek. And I really wanted that vision of, of a Star Trek, you know, where we could go in and it'd be episodic. You know, we'd be part of the crew, you know. I might have a yeah. fancy name called like Bones. There was a real vision there, and really, they were in really development for a number of years. I think it was, was it oh, three yeah. or four years. Yeah, a number of years. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it fell apart, and I was disappointed. Yeah. And I was more disappointed when some you know startup company called Cryptic was that it? Yeah, Cryptic. Yeah, came, uh-huh. came yeah. along uh-huh. and yeah. and uh, <laughs> you know changed the entire vision of what. Now I can say honestly that I was really upset, but I gave it a try. It, the game is likable. It's not what I wanted, but it was likable. In this case, I am not so upset by the way things are are developing. The community has been active. The developers have been active. They're they're updating us. So far, each presentation of the features that are coming to the game, I've either said, ah, okay, I can live with that, or I'm really excited about. And I think that with any part of the game development, as long as the captain that's steering the ship remains the same, then I will be excited about the game that's coming forth. So as long as the person who had the original vision is still running the show, you don't mind if that vision gets a little bigger. Right. Because he still has your original vision that you contributed to in his head. Correct. Okay. All right. That's a reasonable position. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to talk as somebody who came in you know, later into the game um, after the Kickstarter thing was pretty wildly successful and the Persistent Universe was already a stretch goal that had been, that had been hit. As stuff grew and changed, I sort of kind of changed, Jeff. I'd rather they just gave us a Space Fighter game first and then let the Persistent Universe come later. So I'm, I'm one of those people that sort of backed for more than what the original Kickstarter was then. But I'd rather have the smaller vision faster. I, I think our basic discussion is, and it's a good point, Lennon, is that there's no way to vote no on anything once you're involved in the project financially yeah. at a crowdfunding type stage. Once you're in, you're in. Well, but on the yeah, other but hand, you do when you don't buy the concept sales ships, or you don't, you know, spend them. You don't put any more money towards the project. That's your no vote. Do we actually know though that there are more yeses than nos? Because if a ship is on sale for say five hundred dollars, if it's wildly successful, does that mean it's just really profitable? Does that mean that you know every backer has shelled five hundred dollars? Does it mean that actually in terms of wildly successful, they mean they're only expected to sell twenty and they sold three hundred? You know, out of the pool of almost a hundred thousand backers, is it is it actually over five hundred thousand of them are buying those ships? Because if not, then that would mean that there are more people not voting. You know, we can't say specifically whether that individual would have voted yes or no or whatever. But there are more people not voting than there are voting. And so, 
what, what, and they may just be not voting because they can't afford yeah, it. Yeah, that, exactly. well, yeah, exactly. They may that, love the ship true. and just that's, don't have yeah, 100 that, bucks. That is true. So the whole interview was great. He addressed all these concerns. And then at the end, they wrapped up with a the future of Star Citizen. And Chris gave us effectively another timeline that we can get disappointed in when it doesn't quite hit it. But, <laughs> but it's good to have one. So the rough plan from here on out is that at Gamescom, there will be a preview of the multi-crew. They will demonstrate what they're calling the large world and that you will be able to go between ships and you can see all the local zoning and grids and gravity and all that working correctly. Soon, in very, very big quotes, after that, they will have the FPS module in our hands. The next stage will then actually be the multi-crew arena commander release, which will be not too long after the FPS module. They're saying approximately four, five, six weeks after. Then they're going to start rolling out some aspects of the persistent universe. Uh, my money from the way that they were talking is probably going to be the social module, but, you know, that's just my guess at this point. And then finally, they're going to roll out uh, some aspects of the persistent universe with earlier modules like the FPS and multi-crew all sort of stuffed inside it, ready for presentation at CitizenCon. So it does look as if the train appears to still be rolling, despite the fact the last couple of weeks it might look like it stopped for a little too long at a station, but in their minds, completely on track to do these That's an ambitious milestones. schedule. It would be a resounding, I hate this phrase, I'm going to use it, it would be a resounding slap in the face <laughs> to anybody who doubted this project. If, if they can stick to this and get all this to hell, I'll give them an extra two months. If they can get all this done by the end of 2015, I'd say the train probably is back on track. Well, more good news has come out of CIG as patch 1.1.5 has now been released to Arena Commander Live servers. So if you're listening to this on Tuesday and you haven't updated yet, well, what are you waiting for? Go get it now. It's fine. Go, go, go. Whilst you're downloading the latest Arena Commander goodness, though, we're going to list some of the highlights that you can look forward to. 8v8 matches are now a possibility in Battle Royale and Squadron Battle Modes. The Generic Instance Manager is now in place. Changes to momentum means less blacking out, but combat has become more tactical. Shield strength and hull health have been increased across the board, but shields now take longer to start recharging. The amount of wreck awarded in Capture the Core has been increased. Missiles are now more effective at taking down shields, have increased tracking distances, but the lock-on times have been increased to make them a better lock-range solution and less useful when up in the enemy's face. Shields now only reduce ballistic damage by 30%. A lot of weapons have had their ranges and velocities increased. Gatling guns now fire when revving up. The Sucker Punch Cannon has been given a boost, making it better at bringing down your target's shields. The Vandal Scythe and the P-52 Merlin are now flyable. Massive overhauls to the audio system. With every patch, there are some known issues, of course. Occasionally, the game will still kick you back to the hangar when connecting to a multiplayer game, giving you error code 8. Someone has managed to strip all of the lighting and the shiny bits out of the Freelancer. It is pitch black on the inside. Good job there, guys. And the HUD on the P-52 Merlin can't actually be interacted with, although, Tony, you tell me it looks gorgeous. It does look good. I got home from work today, downloaded the patch, installed it, and uh, took took a few test flights out there. I have a Merlin because it uh, comes with my Connie, and so I took that out there. I like the HUD on that. I don't like the fixed guns. I like having the gimbaled guns with my trackball. So probably won't be flying the Merlin too much, but it's a fun little ship. It looks beautiful on the hangar. It looks like an old like 1950s, 1960s Corvette. Something you just go cruising in. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just it just the lines of it just remind me of those old 1960s tiny little Corvettes. Just gorgeous sitting in your hangar. And I can attest to the whole shield rebalancing thing. Game feels different now. If your shields get down, you would be well advised to steer clear of the fight for a little while. Those shields are not coming back for a little bit. 
missiles. I didn't really feel much different in the missiles. As a matter of fact, my Hornet missiles lock on almost all automatically, but I think that might be because I think that's just sort of a design thing with the you know more serious military type uh, yeah. ships. Those are supposed to have a faster lock on time. So those of you with 300 eyes or auroras might sense a real decrease in the performance of your lock ons, but. All in all, the uh, game is mostly smoother. I did have some lag issues in multiplayer um, on a Vandal Swarm. There were only two pilots in it, and I the thing dumped me into it on Wave 16. Uh, so it was me <laughs> and one other pilot on Wave 16 of Vandal, Co-op Vandal Swarm. And like I said, there were several times when the, the game just froze. Something was trying to catch up. Overall, the game looks looks even better, if that's even possible. And the oh, the load times. Oh, the load times are nothing compared to what they used to be. Getting really? in and out of the hangar is okay. so much faster now. So that's uh, another huge improvement there, too. And if any of you are interested in picking up the Merlin, it is currently on sale only for $20, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which uh, by the time you convert it into British pounds, it's free. So go grab it. <laughs> and the news would be complete without mentioning the weekly Star Marine update. This week, the team breaks the post down into three areas. Art updates, gameplay updates, and animation updates, where the team tells us what they've been up to. And what the latest blockers are. Notice something that's not on the list, though? Hmm? Yep, mm-hmm, yeah, us too. Netcode. After we gave them such high praise last week, come on, guys. Why do you gotta go and have to break hearts, CIG? Overall, the team sounds like they're making good progress. Overcoming a couple of animation and gameplay hurdles, such as making sniper rifles actually reload. Last week, they had a bug that meant anybody with a sniper rifle couldn't actually add ammunition to their weapon. Mm. One very interesting blocker that did come up, however, was, to quote the Star Marine update, working on prediction issues causing client aim to not synchronize. This is ongoing. End quote. Now, as we were discussing last week, sometimes lag is actually caused by a processing bottleneck and not an issue with the netcode. And seeing as Arena Commander 1.1.5 comes with the generic instance manager, this maybe actually means that the netcode issues with Arena Commander and Star Marine have been resolved? Could be. Yeah, maybe. But they should say, guess what, guys? It wasn't the netcode. It was, we have too much stuff. Yeah. And Chris did actually, in his little Game Commander bit that they at least talked about how intense some areas of the space are with, you know, just cram-packed full of data and things have to be rendered and calculated. And then there's vast empty areas with absolutely nothing in it and how how that was a particular challenge with the local physics. So... Maybe it's not the netcode after all. And maybe they just thought it was the netcode because surely the desktop computers can, you know, handle these calculations we're throwing at them. And they just blamed it on the netcode. But again, I, I wish they gave us some more details on that sort of stuff. They're not forthcoming. Okay. But please, next time. Guys, come on. Yeah. so nicely. And you delivered so well last week. Come on. And now it's time for news we didn't use. Star Citizen audio update. Learn all about the sounds of the new verse. Around the verse episode 54, Connie updates, space zombies, and more. Work in progress, the Misk Reliant. Check out the behind-the-scenes designs of this iconic-looking ship. Showdown, the hollow debate. Holographic hijinks or character assassination. You decide. Meet the Devs, episode 35, featuring Chris Smith. Reverse the verse recap, informal FaceTime with your favorite devs. Check it out. Chris Roberts, Game Commander. Check out the day in the life of the chairman himself.
I liked that Connie update. I fully that mm -hmm. was super nice. I bought it because it's Millennium Falcon ish, and in Elite Dangerous, I have the game ship in there that is I think most Millennium Falcon like. It, you know, it can go anywhere and do anything. This ship, I think. Um, if it keeps coming together like this and is as popular as I think it's going to be, this will be kind of the iconic Star Citizen ship. The, like everyone the knows what the Enterprise looks like. That's what Star Trek. Everybody knows Millennium Falcon. That goes with Star Wars. I think the Constellation is going to be the Star Citizen sort of, you know, iconic ship. Huh. Interesting. I think it's going to be the Bengal or the Javelin, one of those two. But, yeah. For, for the small time, maybe. That kind of explains why you said, if I wanted to co-pilot with you, I have to stop shaving. It's kind of all making sense now, you know. It's, mm -hmm. I've got to be the Chewbacca mm -hmm. to your Han Solo. Um, mm -hmm. So does this mean that we're going to be able to fly down to a planet and go to a bar that's like, you know, a wretched hive of scum and villainy? Oh, I certainly hope so. Well, I think the only way you're going to be able to do that, and, you know, especially with you being Han Solo, is if you can shoot first. So I have to ask the question, Tony. Where the f*** is the first-person shooter module? That is a fantastic question. Because if I am in a wretched hive of scum and villainy, I do want the option to shoot first. Absolutely. That is very true. Well, uh, uh, it, we, it's coming. And if they keep to that ambitious schedule, it'll be here sooner than, quote, we think. So that's fantastic. But in the meantime, you can't play this game yet either. But it's coming soon as well. This week, I want to tell you all about No Man's Sky. Now, unfortunately, it, like I said, it's not available right now, so you won't be playing it. But it's definitely one you want to keep an eye on. Coming to us from British studio Hello Games, No Man's Sky promises a procedurally generated open galaxy populated with over 18 quintillion planets, each with their own set of flora and fauna. Yes, 18 quintillion. With that number of planets in the game, it won't come as a surprise. The primary focus of the game is exploration. By exploring, players will gain access to blueprints, which will let them craft items to upgrade their ships to allow them to explore deeper and deeper into space. And every planet you discover, every geological rock formation, deep ocean, or new species of alien life will proudly have your name stamped on it in the Atlas, which is a universal database shared with other players of the game. And you'll be able to explore the planets that your friends have discovered by upgrading your ship to feature a hyperdrive. But take care. In order to upgrade your ship, you'll need to gather resources. And if you draw too much from the planet, you'll likely attract the attention of Sentinels, who are enemy NP ships. Those guys will try to stop you the only way they know how. Lasers and missiles. The overall goal of No Man's Sky is to reach the center of the galaxy, and as a player, you'll be incentivized to travel towards it because the closer you get to the center, the more abundant resources will become. Outside of the resource gathering, you'll also be able to trade your hard-earned minerals, blueprints, and other items. So even in systems where the resources aren't as abundant, they'll still be obtainable, but at a cost. Unlike Star Citizen and Elite Dangerous, No Man's Sky is not a child of Kickstarter, although there have been a lot of calls from fans of the game to allow some sort of crowdfunding. Studios declined to do so, proving that they are pretty confident that this game will be a success. Sony Computer Entertainment agrees because they're publishing it, setting the game up for a concurrent release on both Windows and the PlayStation 4. An announcement of the release date is expected soon. That just says soon. There's no TM or registered trademark attached to it. It's just soon. Yeah, this is one that I'm really personally quite looking forward to because uh, there was a, a rather famous MMO guy called Richard Bartle and he created this test called the Bartle Test which basically is a bit like the uh, Briggs-Meyer personality test. You answer a series of questions and it divides you into one of several categories based on the sort of 
gamer that you are and the four categories are griefer this is you know what everyone knows what a griefer is it's people who enjoy taking fun away from other people that's where they get their kicks what they call social butterflies these are people who log onto the game they never really advance past level 10 but they're in every chat every guild you know they talk constantly uh your achievers who you know they're in the game they want to progress they want to get the next big shiny thing they want to get that rare steam achievement for doing their thing and then finally the last class is explorers these are people who uh, like myself i very much fall into this category we're the guys who are always trying to get outside the map in the rpgs that we play (laughs) we open every single door to every single house we need to know what's in that chest we don't necessarily care about the latest greatest loot and everything like that we'll want to run through a raid once just to at least see it but generally speaking it's all about trying to explore the whole place and so this game for me just personally hits all the right buttons on everything that i'm looking for in a space sim especially how you have the uh, traveling into systems and you're in control of your ship you know you've got a wing of of your various wingmen see i pronounced that one correctly this time and you're able to seamlessly fly up to a planet which gets procedurally generated on the fly fly through the atmosphere and just above the surface where that you can then fly around and explore and investigate all the different planetary features but it's just really cool this whole seamless transition from space to planet side and how it generates it on the fly that to me is just super super cool yeah i'm looking forward to this one too i think that it'll be definitely one that i pick up just to see how different ways people have of modeling the universe uh, with using modern computer technology. You know, Elite Dangerous has one vision of it, Star Citizen has another vision of it, and No Man's Sky is, is yet a third uh, way to look at simulating a living, breathing universe and where they bring in the extra details and where they leave stuff out because it's just a simulation. You going to play this game, Jeff? It's a space sim, is it not? Well, yeah. Well, then, yeah. It's combined with first-person exploration, too. And this week's community question, your thoughts on 10 for the Chairman. Were you resold on the vision, or were your concerns not addressed? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, I want to see what deals I can get on burst and dynamics gear in Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay Get on your feet, Nuggets! Back Stack and the Stack Brothers here from Detroit Discount, the best shop inside the ship husk floating around the next asteroid belt. You can find us, I'll give you a great deal. What do we got today, Pax? Today we have a large range of weapon sizes, from small stuff all the way up to larger uh, things. No capital ship size guns, though. They weren't uh, available when we met with our supplier, who prefers to remain nameless. But when I say the names of our latest acquisitions, Spectrum and Magnitude, you'll know they come from... Don't, don't, just, just don't even say the name. Come on, Jax, we gotta tell the folks what we have in stock. What's the matter? We're just selling some odds and ends from Hurston Dynamics. Oh, oh God, oh God, oh God. Uh, Detroit Discount is in no way associated with Hurston Dynamics or the many protest groups who disapprove of Hurston's business models. Uh, You guys have got us in a whole lot of trouble. Oh, you go take your meds, Jack. Hurston is known throughout space as being a low-cost leader in armaments and munitions market. Their low-labor cost means extra money in your pocket, even at the big franchise stores. So, just guess what kind of saving Detroit Discounts has waiting for you. Detroit Discount has no direct knowledge either confirming or denying the use of conscripted a slave labor by Hurston Dynamics. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure those charges are dropped. Anyway, Hurston Dynamics may be cheap, but that's because they're built by folks that know how to run a tight ship. Some of the other guys pass along all kinds of corporate overhead and environmental taxes and waste disposal costs to their customers. Any alleged business relationship between Detroit Discount and Hurston Dynamics did not commence until after the wholesale destruction of the Planetary Ecology of Stanton 2 was complete. Detroit Discount hereby denies and disclaims any ancillary liability potentially derived from any alleged beneficiary standing. Okay. Of course, we will always have the low, low prices you expect from Detroit Discount, but today you're going to get more for your money than ever. We aren't selling you the cheap gear Hurston exports outside the UEE, oh no. And you won't have to settle for the so-so gear the Workaday Pilot uses. For a limited time only, we have the top-notch gear, normally only sold to the UEE military. Don't go, God! Hold on, Jax. I know you're going to bop up another disclaimer, but, Pax, what kind of gun was that? Pretty sure I've never seen that kind before. Oh, um, no idea. Our supplier just threw it in for no extra charge. Uh, let's see, no shipping label, no serial number stamp. Uh, uh, do you want to know what I think this is? Oh, you're telling me that's the... Oh, boy. It's, 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 it's that? Ah, you idiots! <laughs> Detroit Discount disclaims and denies any responsibility for any bounty offered by Hurston Dynamics for your capture or death. <laughs> the purchase or use of unauthorized prototype weapon systems is solely at your own risk. Anti-matter munitions are not approved for use by unlicensed civilians in UEE-controlled neighborhoods. Wait wait wait, 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 go back to the bounty part? I mean, they actually do that? I didn't know. Uh, looks like we got us a blue light special, folks. This gun's so hot right now, it's just burning a hole in our inventory. Come in right now for a deal we, um, you can't refuse. Right, 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 yeah. Come on down, like, fast, okay? Be the only pilot in this sector with an antimatter slug thrower. I mean, we can't keep it on the shelves. No, no, we certainly can't. Detroit Discount does not represent itself to be an accredited antimatter storage deals, facility. Deals, deals, today. One of the kind offers that you can't refuse, and we can't refund. Detroit Discount, it probably worked. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say the only note he can whistle is a middle C, and that he once conducted the New York Philharmonic Orchestra in nothing but a string vest. But all he knows he's called the Shiv, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Program note for next week, another call-in show. Tune into the live show at guardfrequency.com slash live, and then dial us up on our TeamSpeak server. But first, caller, please turn that radio volume down. Come with a question, a comment, or a questionable comment. That'll be at 10 p.m. Central, 4 a.m. GMT next time. And our community question last week was, should CIG have kept Arena Commander and Star Marine on separate development tracks, or were they right to put them on the same rail? Sean Newboy writes in and says, Wonderful show, everyone. I think putting the two parts as one whole for production was a good idea. The instant the persistent universe is available, some will want Star Marine right then. Ryokin says, Great show, guys. I really enjoy hearing your views on things, even if I don't always agree. You present the message in a way that makes me want to listen and give credit to, unlike that other guy. Answering the community question isn't entirely straightforward. In hindsight, it was not the right decision and should have been separate branches of the code. This is something that CIG knows now, and we are getting patches again. At the time they made the decision, I have no doubt it was the right decision with the facts they had at the time. I think the question is more of a matter of hindsight being 2020, but we don't know what the deciding factors were. 
Odin Omen. Hello, Guard Frequency and listeners. Absolutely love the show. Happy to hear First First Problems is on the team. Best of luck with that one. He may have a screw or two loose. Just kidding. He became a friend, and I can personally attest that he only has one screw loose, not two. Good to know. Yeah. And he goes on to say, Until the game launches, I am really enjoying Elite Dangerous. It's my first flight sim, and I love this type of gameplay and the universe in general. It's beautiful. With all due respect to Elite, of course, it does make me yarn for Star Citizen that much more. In the end, based on all the podcast videos and articles I've read, I see two games with very similar end-state visions. In both cases, they're good people, and I'm grateful for all of them. See you in the verse. Ostron says, I don't know that at this point, divorcing Arena Commander from Star Marine would buy them much. In terms of actual development, there aren't any changes to one that are significantly holding up the other, based on what we know. Props to you all for bringing up the fact that CIG doesn't owe us anything, legally or conceptually. Too many of the complaints about the timeline and the delay seem to be assuming we're somehow owed playable assets and modules on a timeline formed from whole cloth. Granted, CIG has made some flubs in estimating slash promising releases, but the backlash is way too much of an overreaction in most cases. P.S. I tried to cut down on the polysyllabic words and flowy sentences this week because you seem to keep giving my feedback to poor Jeff to read, which is mean. Of course, Tony is having problems with the, so Jeff's performances are still the way to go, and clearly, this one isn't mine. (laughs) I don't know if that was a back-ended compliment or what. Yeah, whatever it is, is backhanded. Whatever it was, it was definitely backhanded. Galen Lick Lotharine says, Oh, Jeff, remember that. There's a test later. As none of us have access to the code they're currently working on or a detailed knowledge of what their actual development roadmap or dependency map is, I don't think the backers are really in a position to make that call. The way I see it is we all backed the game based on what their vision for the game was. We trusted them with our money then when we had nothing to see for it, or in my case, just a hangar module. Why start worrying now? Besides backing anything on Kickstarter or any other crowdfunding service is, in its essence, a speculative task where you hope to assist in the creation of something and may get some extra reward for being a backer. If you are a risk averse, wait for the retail version. Though even then, there's no guarantee. Look at all the people who bought the retail version of Batman Arkham Knight. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's a very good point. Just because it has a pretty box does not mean the thing inside is going to work out real good. Pretty good feedback this week. Yeah. I I kind of want to talk just a minute about Ostron's comment about divorcing Arena Commander from Star Marine. I mean, look what happened as soon as Chris came back. We've got a 1.1.1.1.5 patch and you click in there and hit the electronic access button and you're presented with a screen that lets you choose between Arena Commander and Star Marine, Star Marine's grayed out. This probably should have been a thing that was going on weeks ago. Granted, they probably just got the generic instance manager working just now because I think they've been working on it for a long time. But I sort of wonder if not having to make Star Marine work with generic instance manager might have made that come a little faster. But again, water under the bridge, 2020 hindsight, we will never know, but this was the right thing to do. Don't hold up patches to the playable part of Star Citizen for, you know, animations and aiming problems and synchronization issues and possibly performance bottlenecks in the not playable version. I still want nightly builds. That'd be great. Yeah. Don't think you're going to get it. Hey Ben, can I have nightly builds? The feature you have listed to me will definitely be happening. Apparently, I can. Okay, I was wrong again. Well, look at me. In general feedback, Lennon writes in to say, Test (laughs) 4. 
<laughs> okay, well, that is true. Technically, I did write into the show to say that. Uh, we were having some difficulties with our contact form on our website, so if anybody sent anything in and we haven't replied or put it in the feedback, it's not because we hate you or that we think you're wrong, although you probably are, but it's just because we were having website issues. Couldn't get it to work, so apparently fourth time lucky. There we go. Bug smashed. All right. Our new patrons this week. Wonderful new backer, everyone. It's Sean Newboy, as well as Galen Rick Lothering. Hey, good job. What? You didn't think I could do it? Oh, ye of little faith. Our winner is... Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. Shiv will pick two winners next week. He didn't get a chance to pick a winner this week. And patches are coming. They are at the processors now. We approved the final proof last week, and they are in production as we speak. They're coming, they're coming, they're coming. They look good. Oh, yeah. And a reminder of this week's community question. What are your thoughts on 10 for the Chairman episode 60? Has it renewed your faith in the Chris Roberts vision? Or have you still got a few concerns? Well, let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at Robert Space Industries fan site sub. So, how was the show? Would the chairman call it the best damn space sim podcast ever, or just bull****? Either way, let us know. Here's some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. You can leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com, or you can just find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash guardfreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 81 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 82 on August 4th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subform. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website, which is now working again. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And if you just can't get enough spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister publication, Priority One, that covers Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to priorityonepodcast.com. And are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Well, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com slash orgs slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should come and join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We normally start recording around 11 p.m. Central, which is Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. However, just another quick reminder that next week is going to be a call-in show. So join us at guardfrequency.com slash live. Then dial us up on our TeamSpeak server. But first caller, please turn down that radio volume. You can come with a question, a comment, or as Tony said, a questionable comment. And we're actually going to do that an hour earlier. That is at 10 p.m. Central or 4 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Charlton Edwards, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty low. Reduce thrust. Squawk seven seven zero zero.
three, two. Jeff, what? Jeff, go. Oh, it's my show. That's right. Tony, stop the music. Sits and sieves. You can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting. By visiting. Sits and sieves. You can help bring us. Oh, it's gonna be another one of those nights. Overall, the team sounds like they're making good progress, overcoming a couple of animation and gameplay hurdles, such as making sniper sniper rifle. Sniper rifles. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get some sniper rifles that, out That there. can go with our, our Ferman and Peaches and our rundown. Yes. There will be a our, recipe for sniper rifles in the show notes. <laughs> sniper rifles and Ferman and Peaches. Go. Chris Roberts, Jeff. shut <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you just say Chris Roberts, shut up? Because that is <laughs> yes, so going said. in the blooper room. Now that we're all a cup with cup. <laughs> now that we're all a cup. Yeah. I'm a cup. Yep. I'm more of a glass. I'm, really. I'm, I'm a little teapot. <laughs> Shortest <laughs> out. P.S. I tried to cut down on the polysyllabic. Wow. <laughs> polysyllabic. polysyllabic. That's nice. Not nice. Mm. That was a good one. Is it interesting? Polysyllabic is how you would say it? Because I would say polysyllabic. Hmm. One of us is putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, and we need to discover who. So. Mm-hmm. P.S. I tried to cut down on the polysyllabic words and flowy sentences this week because you seem to have. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This is a, a paragraph about how he tried to make it easier to read and we're. I know. Yeah.